When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to this episode. My guest today is Whitney Sewell. He is a real estate investor, host of the Real Estate Syndication Show podcast, and a philanthropist. Let me just tell you a little bit about him before we bring him on. He is a seasoned real estate investor, podcast host, and a philanthropist, as I just said. He is the CEO and founder of LifeBridge Capital, a multifamily syndication investment firm with thousands of doors and over $300 million of assets under management. I mean, he's going to explain about what that means just so that everyone makes sure that they understand that. The foundation, uh, the latest exciting uh, development is his commitment to donate 50% of his profits to support orphans and their adoptive families. I love that part about him. And he's going to share with us as lenders and real estate agents and entrepreneurs. And while we're not a real estate investing podcast, I do like to bring investors on because as we're making money every single day, what are we doing with it? Hopefully we're not buying $25,000 watches and boats and accumulating all kinds of monetary things, but we're investing, reinvesting. And that's what he does. And so he's going to talk to us about how to build your investor list, how you can get involved in syndications for multifamily. It's very hot topic right now in the marketplace. So without further ado, please allow me to introduce our guest today, Whitney Sewell. So Whitney, welcome to the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, I'm delighted to have the opportunity to talk to you. And you know, I want to first say thank you so much for your service to our country. I know that you were in the army and you're going to be speaking about that a little bit, but you know, it, it means a lot to me. I was raised in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where I had everything around me, military. And it happened to be one of my niches when I was in lending, was working with veterans. So thank you so much for your service to our country. We appreciate that. You're, you're welcome. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. So let's, I want to get started here. So you have, you know, this is, if I could ever say that there was a pendulum of one of my clients and one of my guests on a show, you have a huge pendulum here. You started off, you know, in the military and here you are managing over $300 million in assets in multifamily properties. So we got to find out all about this story. So let's start at the very beginning on what you did before you got into real estate and how you got into real estate investing. For sure. No, I appreciate the opportunity again and, and love sharing the story. I love encouraging others and kind of breaking through those limiting beliefs, right? That we've all had at one time or another. But my story started in March of 2001. And if you remember in that year, obviously something massive happened six months yes. later, right? That none of us expected. And so in March, though, I decided to join the military. And so I just thought, you know, I wanted to serve. I just, I was 17, I think at the time. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to join. I, I could join while I was a junior or you know, senior in high school, you know, join the guard before I graduated. And so I did, I wanted to serve. And, and so I had no idea that, you know, six months later, our country would, our nation would be at war. And, and then shortly after I would be spending a year of my life in Iraq, right. You know, toting around a machine gun, praying every day I get to go home. And unfortunately not everyone in my squad made it home. And so obviously many lessons learned there. And so, but one thing I say, you know, the military taught me, I was to have a never give up mentality. 
And, you know, I would say I didn't have that probably before that, but however, you know, when you're in combat, it's just not an option to give up, right? Yeah. I mean, other people yeah. are depending on you, yeah. uh, your life and many other lives are depending on you. And so learned a lot, right? Uh, quickly, you know, as a very young man at that time. And, and mm-hmm. so I came home though. I, thankfully, I, if you are curious, I, I did make it home alive. Thank the Lord. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, I came home and, and I had no college and no education really. And so I, I felt helpless almost, right? Like, what am I qualified to even do? And, and I just, oh, there was such a roadblock for me, mm-hmm. right? And because we're raised to think, you know, you got to have this education. You have to do these things to get that good J-O-B with the good benefits, right? That's just the way it has should be done. You know, or, well, many of us are, are taught to think yeah, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. So good education, good job, but not good life, right? That's right. That's yeah. right. And so I quickly discovered, you know what? I felt like law enforcement would be a great transition. And it was. I got hired with Kentucky State Police. There were 1,200 applicants for five positions. I was blessed to have one of those. Mm-hmm. I loved working the road as a police officer. I, again, loved the service, loved the uniform. I loved being a first responder. I mean, I just enjoyed that. I would have done it for free the first two years. <laughs> uh, however, I got married you know, shortly after that. And you know, the first whole year of marriage, my wife, Chelsea, and I just passed each other in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. And I, and, and then I also started noticing guys retiring with like 25 years on that were still making, say, 35000 maybe 40000 you yeah. know, a year. And it, finally, the light bulb went off, right? Like, okay, this is enjoyable. I loved doing it, but it's just not what was best, you mm-hmm. know, long term, uh, you know, for my family, for the family we wanted to have. And so that, at that moment, when I, I started looking like, what, what else can I do? I felt so helpless still, like I'm not qualified to do anything else but law enforcement. And so maybe I can find something to supplement my income and the income real estate. And I started doing some research and discovered not only had one or two people built wealth in real estate, but right, millions of people have built wealth in real estate. Uh, And so I thought, okay, if all these people can do it, guess what? You know, I can do something to at least supplement my income. And that's what we did. Uh, And so I bought two triplexes and made a ton of mistakes, self-managed. I was working horrible schedule as a police officer, self-managing these apartments. We were newly married. We were remodeling a house. My wife, unfortunately, had to wash dishes in the bathtub a lot longer than I'd like to admit, just because we had (laughs) gutted the house, you know, trying to live in it. But we learned so much, right? Uh, You know, about each other during that time as well. But we made it through that. We learned a lot. I finally became a federal agent. And that moved us to Virginia, where we still live now. And so I share, you know, a little bit about all those stories, because all those things are difficult, right? All those things taught me a lot. You know, none of those things were easy, you know, whether it's military or law enforcement or federal agent, all these things are difficult things. Um, But still, I quickly hit a ceiling, right? I quickly, you know, I immediately doubled my salary, better hours, better benefits. But still, you know what, I still believe there's wealth to be created in real estate. And that wasn't going to happen working for the federal government, unfortunately. And so at this same time, and a big part of the story, and it seemed like it's from left field, but I was also training horses professionally. It was a passion that I had since I was a little boy. And so finally, at this time, I was was a federal agent during the day. I mean, I would go home and change clothes and load the horses up and go to the arena. I would give lessons and train horses till midnight most nights. And finally, you know, there was a one fall, my wife and I were walking on the beach. And again, remember, this was a passion of mine since I was, I was a little boy. It was something I loved doing. It came very easy to me. And I mean, I was doing tricks. I was doing all kinds of things, selling horses for more money than I ever imagined. However, when we were walking on the beach, you know, my wife and I were just praying, reflecting and thinking about, hey, is what we're doing right now going to get us where we want to be? You know, like three, am I going to continue doing this, working this many hours? 
I mean, I was missing, we had two boys, you know, only two boys at the time, Samuel and Elijah. And I was missing everything, you know, with yeah, them and yeah. Chelsea. And, and so we came home and we decided, you know what, we had a house, we had a farm we'd always dreamed of. And we decided to commit to commercial real estate, to commit to building wealth. We're going to sell it all. Yeah. And we're going to just yeah. burn that bridge, you know, so we have to be committed. And we were starting our third adoption process as well. And we were expecting a very large expense. It's 40 to 60 grand to adopt, unfortunately. And so to make that happen and to be completely committed to our real estate business, I said, you know what, we just, I've just got to cut it off completely. There'll be another day to do that. But for now, we have to do this. And so we did. It was one of the hardest days for us. I remember, I'll never forget my wife and I pulling out of that driveway and just crying, you know, yeah. bawling. Yeah. But that was the beginning of a long journey for us. And yeah. so we bought a little house in town. I built the office in the basement. And that's practically where I lived the next two and a half to three years. And literally, my wife would pack me lunch to go to the basement for the day. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was. That, I know that feeling. My husband yeah. does that while I'm on calls too. Yeah. So we would, I mean, I started a daily podcast. So we've done about 1,200 interviews now in the last three years. And so I had two days off of my federal agent job a month. And during those days, I built a team that they knew that I had to record at least 12 to 15 interviews a day. Right. Like to keep the thing going, like I need that many scheduled. We called it my marathon day. It was very intense. But I would say, you know, what happened though before that, when my wife and I moved to Virginia, we were listening to a pastor talk one weekend about how they had adopted and just the need for adoption, 150 million orphans in the world, 40 to 60 grand to bring a child home through adoption, unfortunately. And so, but on our way home, we, we had never been exposed to adoption, still pretty newly married. And we thought, why would we not adopt? Like, it just seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed yeah. that simple. And I'm thankful for our ignorance really around the process. But we started the process a week later. I mean, within a week, we turned in our application to adopt from Ethiopia. Our first son, Samuel, came home from Ethiopia two years later. A year later, our second son, Elijah, came to our family through adoption. And now we have a daughter as well, Eden Joy, wow. uh, that's two and a half, that came to our family through adoption. But that mission, that why, like that became our why behind Life Bridge Capital, right? Is to help other, assist other families in Life the process bridge. of adoption, right? So my wife and I com committed half of our personal profits to this foundation that we created that will assist families with that financial burden. And so we often talk with families who want to adopt, but they say, Whitney, that's more than I make in a year. How can we even like think about doing that? Right. Uh, and so that's where the LifeBridge Foundation will assist them and, and help them to commit, help them to figure out ways to even raising more money to help assist them with adoption. But the Lord has blessed that and our business. I mean, now we've grown in big ways. And I mean, we have, like you said, over 300 million in assets under management. We're doing some developments and apartments all over the place in Colorado and Idaho. Our team is growing and we're producing podcasts. We have numerous businesses now, but the Lord's been very kind to just help sustain us, especially my wife and I through that two and a half year period or so before I could leave the federal agent position as well. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've said this on this podcast. I don't know how many times, but you know, one of the scriptures says, be silent and you will know, right? Who that I am, right? Be silent and you'll know that I am. And I think that that's what you were experiencing, that moment of silence that gave you the clarity. And we talk about this all the time, whether you're religious or not, and you're listening, you know, it's or Christian or not, it's really a, a true thing. And I've said also, you know, slow down to speed up instead of speeding up to slow down. And that's really what you were doing is that's just right. speeding, speeding, speeding. And you needed to take that time back and, you know, figure out what was going to be really important. And I know this is a topic that you talk about all the time on your show. And when you're speaking is, you know, the knowing your why. And I think it's real important. There's a friend of mine who has a, and Steve Olsher, he has a book called What's Your What? And it's a really interesting book because it has a different twist on the why. 
right? On the why, because sometimes the why and the what don't match (laughs) what your skills are and things, but you created that. So by the way, I want to ask you a question in a second, but I think a great book for you would be Washing Dishes in the Bathtub. Great. I didn't even know that was a book. That's incredible. Yeah, that would be a great book for you. A great title is Washing Dishes in the Bathtub. And it tells the whole story of how you know you did what you did. So let's talk about why a podcast. What happened that you decided to do a podcast? Because a lot of people that are listening are thinking about starting podcasts. I've even, I've even had a few people on that are podcast, you know, people besides just having them like we do. But why did you think a podcast was going to be helpful to you as a catalyst to achieve what you wanted to achieve? What was the emphasis behind that? I had, I'd seen it work for others ultimately, but before starting a podcast and to break through some of that, that mental block for others, limiting beliefs, I had hardly ever listened to a podcast before and I'd hardly ever spoken into a microphone and much less spoken in front of people, you know, on a stage. I never imagined, you know, being able to speak in front of as many people, you know, the Lord's brought our way now and on stages that he's brought. But, you know, at that time, I had no idea the ramifications that it would bring, you know, in a good way, in a positive way. However, I did, I seen it work for so many other people and specifically one or two people who had daily shows. And I thought, you know what, if it works for them, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel here. Let's just go make it happen. And it, it was, again, it seemed that simple. It was not that simple. You know, it was a massive undertaking to start a daily podcast. I had no idea the level of commitment that my wife or I, I thank yeah. the Lord, we were able to keep it going. But it has done so many things. You know, it has been my own university, right? I mean, it it allowed me to speak to so many people that I normally would have never had the opportunity to speak to, right? To get somebody on the podcast for 30, 40 minutes that would normally have never given me their time, right? And allow me a way to introduce myself to them, but to add value to them, to promote them to our network, you know, and then, but obviously be able to ask any questions that I have. We have a deal that we're working on, right? And I have somebody on the show that I know has done that before or longer than me. Well, guess what? It's probably going to come up, right? You know, somehow I'm probably going to bring it up to get to ask them about those things. So it helped educate me very quickly, but even bigger than that, it exploded my network, right? Of investors and just people, experts, right? In our industry and outside of our industry. And now, you know, almost became my own mentorship, you know, during, uh, you know, learning, right? From all these people and even connecting with people that potentially we've done business with. It's it's built relationships for me that I couldn't have even seen right. like how they were going to affect me three years later. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's just been an incredible thing. Right. And I, you know, I can second that motion. You know, it's if I didn't have my first podcast, then I would probably be just a retired loan officer. <laughs> right. I I wouldn't have what I have now. So I love that you chose to take that route. So that's pretty interesting. So I want to talk about specifically about this. You know, when you say that you are a multifamily, and I'm reading this multifamily syndication investment firm, a lot of people don't really understand what that is. I happen to understand because I've invested in one, but tell us a little bit about what this entails. And for those that are listening, how they could get involved, or maybe they would want to start their own, but how they could get involved in, you know, this type of investing. Yeah, appreciate that question because it it is an industry that so many know nothing about, right? And I feel like it's this like this gem over here that most people haven't discovered yet in the investing world. And it sounds complicated, right? You say syndication, multifamily syndication. And just to break that down, ultimately we're buying properties that we couldn't afford to buy on our own, right? Or maybe our investors couldn't buy on their own. But you know, we bring all these people together to do it together, right? So we may have 200 investors in a deal. We may raise $15 million for a project. 
you know, across, let's say, you know, 150 to 200 investors, and they all own a piece of this real estate, right? Mm -hmm. And so they get all the benefits. They get passive income, monthly distributions. I mean, from the day we close, from the first month, they get a distribution and every month thereafter, right? You know, so they're getting a return on on their investment and they actually own a hard asset, right? They own, I mean, you can go see it and touch it and feel it and, and, you know, watch it operate for you. Versus Bitcoin. But guess what? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You're, or I mean, stock market or like if you invest in Apple, you know, it may do great. However, you know, you can't affect it. You can't control it in any way. Right. Uh, you can't go buy all the Apple devices you possibly can and watch it go up. You know, you know, it's it's not going to work that way. However, with this piece of real estate, we manage it, right? Our team manages these projects. And so I just think it's such a safe investment compared to things like that. But it allows it allows these investors to own a piece of this real estate, get the tax benefits, all those things and passive income. But guess what? They never take tenant call. They never have to find a tenant. They never have to talk to a contractor. They never have to decide paint colors. They, you know, all these things that our team does, you know, if you were doing say single family rentals and you thought, you know what, I'm going to go own a few rentals. That's what we did in the beginning, right? Those two triplexes. And we learned a lot the hard way. I mean, it was such a hassle, like so much brain damage, I say, you know, during that time, but so much learning as well. And thankfully we didn't quit there. But, you know, most people have, say, a successful W-2 or a successful job. They're a successful entrepreneur and they love doing that thing. Maybe they're building widgets over here and they're really good at that. And that's great, right? They don't want to go try to manage their own rentals, but this is a great avenue for them to gain the same wealth building components, right, without having to go do that themselves. Yeah, I love it. So let's step back just a little bit and help us understand how you got in this. Because, you know, someone who listening says, look, I have a lot of experience as a real estate investor. Maybe I have a lot of experience, you know, in real estate or mortgages or something like that. And they say, you know, but I don't really know how to get started in this. How would I start my own syndication if I wanted to, (laughs) which I would not want to do. That's why I invest in. And I think that's, you know, it's the same with, if I could say it, fix and flips, right? Where you have somebody who has the time to find the deal. You have someone who has the experience in being able to do the construction, right? The renovation. And then you have someone who says, look, I just have money. Can I just contribute? Why did you take the path of, or how did you step into this and and transport yourself from single family, you know, living in the house and doing the renovation to buying the house and saying, I don't want to be a landlord to saying, well, now I'm going to jump into this big mother world (laughs) because this is a pretty big late. How did you, why, and how did you do that transition into that, that now makes you an expert in it? Mm, Appreciate that question as well. I, you know, early on, it's the scalability, right? It's so hard to scale when you're doing single family or even small multis. I got up like a 15 unit. And even in that 15 unit, I thought, you know, this is amazing, right? How, you know, how do we even get here? But, and at that time I had limiting beliefs around, you know, seeing that hundred unit complex over that 200 unit thinking, you know, who are those people? I don't know how you can (laughs) do that, right? Like, you know, never imagined it being possible for me just a short time later. And so early on, I thought, you know what, if we're going to scale, I've got to figure that out. I've got to learn about that. So I started going to conferences. And again, I started meeting people who were buying 100 unit complexes who had only been in the business a year or two. And I mean, it was like light bulbs going off, right? Okay. If all these people can do it, guess what? I can do this too. I'll figure this out. And so I started doing research about mentors. I knew I wanted somebody who, who had been there and done that, who cared about my success, who I could ask questions of, who were in, was in my corner, was going to minimize the risk, right? You know, for me and my family. So I did, I did lots of research about who that needed to be, but I hired somebody to help me, you know, and then just went on a massive education trip for myself, right? And, and then right, partnering, right. I found somebody 
And in this case, it was my mentor. I partnered with him on two large projects uh, and found a way that I could add value to him, right? You know, and so that way I didn't have to do the whole syndication myself. I didn't have to find the deal and have the broker relationships and, you know, and raise all the money myself. But however, there was value that I could add to him just to learn and gain experience and even then expose my network, you know, to yeah. doing larger deals like this. Because I'm in the beginning, you know, it's like everybody that knew me before, they're like, well, Whitney, I thought, wait a minute, you know, you I, I thought that you were doing, that's right. Weren't you a cop? Weren't you a federal agent? Well, I don't understand, you know? Right, right. And so there's some, you know, factor there, shock. And so that helped me to get past that, helped my network to get past that. But I also started traveling to conferences as hard as I could go and networking as hard as I could go. I had, I had no network of wealth. I was raised, you know, in a family, nobody were, were investors, nobody had wealth to invest. And so just to get past that belief as well, people think, oh, you, you know, you have to grow up in the country club or, you know, doing those things. Right. Well, I did not. Or you had you to know? have a ton of money. I mean, a ton That's of money. Right. Sometimes you don't That's need right. to. That's right. Yeah. 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 And and I would say it's going to take some money. You know, there's very few instances where it's just like no money whatsoever, especially to get into, you know, this scale. You know, there were many months where, you know, producing the podcast early on, I'm an early riser. And that was a time for my wife and I to connect even in the craziest of times, you know, it was in the morning, in the word, praying together and just talking about our day. And that it was so important to us. But there were many months where I would have to tell her, you know, I don't even know if we can afford to do the podcast next month, Yeah, you know, and yeah. I, I don't know how we're going to do that, you know, and the Lord provides some way, you know, but, but it, it did cost a lot, you know, it yeah. did cost a lot to produce a daily show. Oh well, yeah. Uh, and you have, well, I know. And I can't imagine my son does a daily show as well. And wow. uh, I, <laughs> but he actually records every day. You know, I know you have a recording day. I have a recording day, but he actually records every single day, this 10 minute thing. And I said, 10 minutes. Oh my gosh, 10 minutes. You know, and I think when I do a 10 minute, that wasn't worth its weight in gold, right? But he does a 10 minute every single day. And it's it's just the craziest thing. Okay, so you did that. And, you know, so you, you started getting involved. So now for those that are, and then I'm going to go back and I'm going to retract just a few minutes. But for those that are listening and saying, well, okay, that all sounds really good, but maybe I don't want to work that hard. Maybe I do. They can reach out with you and you can be their mentor. But maybe they don't want to do it. And they're saying, look, I, I have some cash. I have some you know, savings. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm earning 0.0001% annualized on the money that's in the account. Or maybe I have it in some place that is, is risky. Maybe they are in Bitcoin, but they've had a great growth. And they're saying, how could I maybe diversify? What does it look like to be involved in a syndicate for multifamily? Generally, what does it look like? Yeah, great question. So Ultimately, your biggest risk is the operator. You know, everybody wants to ask about, you know, the deal, right? Or the location. Yeah. And, th and those things are very important. However, your operators of utmost importance, you know, is this someone that, hey, when times get tough, I mean, things happen in real estate, right? Just like anywhere else, any other Anything. business, there's yeah. things that happen that are unexpected. And yes, we're going to try to, you know, project, foresee all those things as much as possible, have enormous reserve budgets, all those things. So we can handle those things. But, you know, how's that operator going to treat me? when times are tough, right? If something happens. So, so yeah, that's right. Exactly. You know, yeah. you want to know. So you want to ask, how, you know, ask that operator, how have you communicated in the past? What happened during this past pandemic? How did you communicate with your investors? Can you show that to me? You know, tell me about your worst oh, yeah, property. What with happened? Now rent. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, you want to get to know some operators and I would say get to know more than one, right? Reach out, talk to my team, talk to, but don't just talk to us, talk to many, because you're going to learn a lot by talking yeah. to different ones. And you're going to come back around and talk to me again. And you're you're going to have different questions because you've learned a lot, right? And I'm going to try to help educate you and other people are as well, right? So you're going to start that learning experience about this process. And eventually, 
you know, you have to determine, is this the best investment for you? You know, is this, you know, and and we're going to try to determine that a little bit over the phone and walk through that your specific situation, of course. But then you have to determine, you know, am I ready to put up 25,000 or 50,000 in this potential, you know, investment or type of project? Is real estate the best thing for me? But once you invest, once we send out, say, an email for a new opportunity to our list, oftentimes it may fill up in a few hours. And we're very thankful yeah. for that desire, but you got to get in. And then you're going to get more information from us. You're going to learn more about the investment. You're going to maybe see in a webinar from us and different things. You're going to have time for questions. But then, you know, it's a pretty automated process. We have a portal you fund through, you sign all the documents electronically. Then, you know, we're going to communicate with you about when we close and all those things. But then every month, then you're going to receive a distribution from us. You're going to get a check, you know, ACH direct to your account or check in the mail, whichever you prefer, but also an update that's going to tell you about, you know, how the project's performing and different details that, that are important to you as the investor. And then obviously our team's always open for emails or phone calls and myself, you know, at any time. And so it's a pretty hands-off type approach. That's why they call it passive investing, right? So you're, you're getting the benefits of owning real estate, but not having to, you know, take that call at midnight, like I used to, you know, my toilet's running or whatever it may be. Yeah, I did too. You know, and for a light bulb, right? For a light bulb. And that, and that was one thing we learned years and years and years ago is like anything up to a hundred dollars, just do it. Send us an invoice. Please don't call me for a light bulb. Crazy stuff. How did you establish your credibility? You know, you start at zero. You obviously had a mentor, right? Who was with you. And that mentor probably had some credibility, which, you know, bleeded off to you, or I shouldn't say bleed it off, just ooze into you. So, you know, the proximity credibility, but how do you establish credibility when you don't have it in that world? How do you actually raise funds when you're banking on an idea? Because at that point, it's really an idea. It is an idea early on. And, And that's a question I get often. Because it's a roadblock for everyone when you're getting started, right? Yeah. You know, you, nobody had experience before they did this, right? Right, right. And so early on, it's about partnering with somebody that has the experience yeah. ultimately, right? And so you're exactly what you just said. Even the podcast, though, is, is credibility by association, right? Every Absolutely. day, our investors are seeing my face with somebody else that's the expert, right? And yeah. so eventually, hey, they hear my voice every day. We get on the phone and they say, Whitney, I feel like I already know you. I hear your voice every day. I listen to you while I'm in the gym, you know, on my way yeah. to work. And yeah. they, there's just already this comfort there, right? But outside of that, partnering with somebody, so, you know, it gives you a whole nother level of confidence, especially having that mentor, right? But when you go to have that, those first few investor calls, you're going to be nervous, right? Anybody's going to be nervous. You're worried about what they're going to ask. You just got to do it and get past it, right? You're going to learn so much. And so hopefully those first few go easy on you, but, yeah. but you know, you're going to learn so much. What happens is that when they ask about your experience, right? You want to be able to talk about the person you're partnering with, right? This team, this may be your mentor, you know, the team that you're partnering with, well, they've done 12 deals or they're in these markets and this is what's happened. You know, this is why I'm partnering with them. You know, instead of having to say, well, you know, yeah, I, I right, just, right. You, you know, don't want to go it alone. No question. Exactly. And I know this is one of the things that you talk about. And that's why I said I was going to come back to this because I, I had a feeling this was going to go down this line. You know, it's funny because my daughter, you know, has five years of experience in mortgage lending, for example, and my husband has 30. And, you know, when she first came on, it was, you know, she said, I don't have any experience. How is someone going to work with me? And I go, you lean on the team, you lean on the, uh, you know, the experience that dad has and the experience that I had at the time. And, and I do think that that's really important. So, you know, never go it alone. I mean, that's, that's really what it is. But building a team, you know, and one of the things that you say specifically is building a team by hiring class A talent, which I love. I always call it rock stars, right? I don't yes. want anyone. And you got to keep up with me. 
because I'm doing a lot of things, right? So I need <laughs> rock stars who can keep up with me, yeah. but they can also say, time out, time out. You're running too fast. We all need to catch up with you, right? But how do you find that? It, because the people that are listening here, you know, maybe growing their businesses, their practices, you know, their portfolios, there's a lot of things that they're growing. How did you find this A talent? I always call it that I'm a talent scout. I'm always yes. out being a talent. Always hiring. Even That's if you're right. not hiring, you have to be on the lookout. But what are some of the strategies that you have for creating this class A talent? I'll give you a resource and some tips that I used. And one resource I've learned is a book called Top Grading by Bradford Smart. Oh, cool. It's actually, it's actually right here. It's probably the best resource for hiring I've ever found. And I would say even in hiring now, we probably use like a 20th of what he says in that book, but it has improved our hiring to such yeah. a degree. And so, you know, like I hired my assistant that I have right now. I mean, she is just, she's a rock star. And so I'll, t- I'll give you a couple of tips on how we found her. And so your network is typically going to be a great place, right? To find mm-hmm. talent and people, you know, having that referral just goes such a long ways, right? However, that's not always the only way. And you may not find somebody that way. So what we did for that specific hire, I put a, an offer out through my network that we were hiring, right? And obviously through the podcast, through speaking, my network had grown very fast. But I also put the same offer out on places like Indeed. And so I, I created two separate forms through our CRM so I could, I could figure out you know, where those people came from, right? So I right, could, I could right. manage that. But also what we did was in that job description at the bottom, there's four things listed that I need them to do. And I'm very specific, right? The first two are mandatory. The second two are optional. All right. Yep, I know uh, where and, you're and, heading with this. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the first one though is a 14 page questionnaire. And that asks them all kinds of things about almost every job that they've ever had, high school, college. I mean, all kinds of things that you're going to want to know, you know, about this individual. But also what that tells you is, are they willing to do this? Do they really want this position? Right. Because I'll tell you, we had probably 700 applicants, you know, for that position. Okay. Well, immediately that allowed me to narrow that down to about 40 people. Right. right? And, you know, who actually 14, did this? Right. It's the same, perhaps the same 14 questions you're going to ask in an interview anyway. And it's the lazy man's way right? Of saying, I'll just wait for the interview. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that allowed me not only, you know, how did they present it? Did they present it in PDL format? Like I asked, you know, or in word format or or whatever, you know, put some other, that's right. In their grammar, you know, or, I mean, I had some printed out and write on there with a highlighter, right? I mean, I'm like, really, you're going to go to this much work. You know, it just blew my mind. Anyway, that allowed me to narrow that down even more. So I took those, right? And then I narrowed it down to about 12 applicants out of 700, right? And so out of those 12, I called randomly and said, hello, John, you've been selected to go to the next round. You know, or this is Whitney Soul Life for Capital. Congratulations. You've been selected to go to the next round. I have four tasks I need you to complete by tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And so, you know, no notice. Here's what I need you to do. Thank you very much, right? Have a good day. I look forward to hearing from you. By 2.22 p.m. (laughs) <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, and I really left it open. Like, yeah. what does end today mean to them? You know, did yeah, they have it yeah, to me yeah. by five yeah. or did they have it to yeah. me by noon the next day or, or did they have it to me by midnight the next day? And it's not that they had to know the best way to do all four of those things, right? But it's more so their effort. You know, how were they, how did they present it? Did they make the effort? You know, and so that just showed so much to me about them that narrowed it down to four top candidates. And then my business partner and I did tandem interviews, which lasted about three hours each at least. Okay. So, you know, with each of those people and and actually most of those interview questions and that 14 page questionnaire came from that book, Top Grading, which again, I would highly recommend, but that helped me to narrow that down quickly, but it allowed me to see who's going to really work hard and what are some of their skill sets and allow them to shine a little bit before we ever get to an interview. And then during the interview, it was almost, it was so obvious 
to my business partner and I, you know, who was excited about the position and, eh, you know, who was just kind of here yeah. looking for another J-O-B, right? Yeah, I love that. So let's just recap those steps for those that are listening in here. So 14 page questionnaire, right? Or 14 questions. So, yeah. It's about the job description, putting yep. some things in there that's asking them to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Just, and then for right. a quick random phone call saying, Hey, I want four things done tomorrow by, you know, get those done by tomorrow, whatever those are some tasks that they would be doing in the job, you know, or something similar. Right. Then you did a tandem interview between the two of you so that both you had two people listening in, right? See if That's right. Two people asking questions. And then your fourth step was a final interview to make a decision. We would occasionally do that. On this one, we knew which one of the four, you know, it was going to be. But yes, that's a very good summary. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure we have that. Yeah. Because people are taking notes. Listen, they, they do the same thing. They're riding their bike. They're working out. They're driving down the road and they're saying, okay, what are the four things again? <laughs> yeah. Right. And just making sure everybody gets it. I love that. I knew you were heading in that direction because it's a strategy that I do as well, because I want to see how much effort they're going to put in in the beginning, right? If you're going to impress me, impress me now. If you can't impress me getting the job, then you're certainly not going to impress me when you have the job. And I think that 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 is an investment in time too. You know, and I think that's really good. There's another little tricky thing that's in that that strategy as well, but I won't say it on the podcast. You and I can talk about it afterwards. Okay. (laughs) There's another little strategy in that. So as people are, you know, we're finishing up our time here today. What do you want to leave with people that are saying, you know, is this possible for me to do whether they want to do this on their own and find a mentor and create their own syndication, whether they want to invest, you know, that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, as people are making transition in their lives and they're growing their practices, scaling them and scaling their wealth, all of this needs to be reviewed and looked at all the time. We always need to be looking for new options and new we're all in different seasons too, right? Not as individuals, but in our own lives, we go through different seasons. And so a strategy that they've been using, I always use this analogy, actually, the seasons are fine, but I always use the analogy of a ladder leaning up against a wall, right? As you climb those rungs, the things that you had in the beginning, you don't necessarily use as you grow, right? And the people that you surround yourself with may not be able, unless you're, you know, a barrel and a monkey and you can stretch, you know, between the $300,000 in assets all the way down to owning one little property. There's a lot of different people that are involved in different strategies and tactics. So people are going to be in a lot of different arenas as they're, while they're listening here, what advice do you want to give them that, that spans all of that? If you're looking to be active in this space, I think a mentor is a must, no doubt about it. And they're not all created equal to say the least. So you have to do some research around that. But even bigger than that, I would say you you need a why, you need a mission, you need something that's bigger than just a financial goal for yourself. And not only for yourself, but for you and your spouse, for your children. In our business, what I've seen happen is that why, you know, when my wife would pack me lunch to go to the basement or I'm traveling every weekend and all these things like, my wife couldn't care less about real estate. However, and she is 110% behind our mission, behind you know helping these families. That's why we started a foundation, right? To help these families adopt. And so she's behind that 110%. And so, and also our children, obviously, you know, they're adopted. I mean, they're, they're directly connected to that mission. And I can even paint that picture for them, you know, when they, they can't understand at that point, you know, why they, they don't get to see dad for a week, you know, or two weeks at times, right, you know, right. some difficult times. And so I have to be able to paint that picture, even for them, where we're going what we're doing. But also there, there's two other components that I didn't see coming in early on. And that was one of my employees. 
right? They, believe it or not, your employees aren't just there for a financial gain, even if they think they are. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. want to know they're a part of something bigger, right? And they Absolutely. love knowing that. So when we have a team meeting and I can say, hey, you know what, guys, we partnered with two more families, you know, this month or this week, or we were able to do this. I mean, they love that being a part of that. But also our investors, our investors love knowing that they can play a role in this. And it doesn't affect their returns at all, right? But however, right. By investing with us about product is that, you know, what children are being adopted, you know, into their forever families instead of being orphaned the rest of their life. So that, that's been huge for us, you know, and that obviously that's if you're being active, but I would say, even if you're going to be a passive investor, get to know some operators, you have to know this business a little bit. You want to educate yourself, but it's definitely one of the best ways I've found Diver, sorry, diversify your portfolio, you know, into some real estate and some hard assets that are going to benefit you and your family for a lifetime. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I want to tell you something really quickly. Jeff Hoffman is a friend of mine. He's the co-founder of Priceline and Booking.com and the inventor of the kiosks that we use in the airports. And, you know, Jeff is very, very successful, but he has a phrase. And by the way, he donates a ton of his money. His business partner is Pitbull, by the way. But they both invest a lot of money in Africa in creating schools and clothing and stuff for, for kids. And one of the things that he says that I absolutely love, and I think this is fits so perfectly with what you and your wife are doing, which is that your success is someone else's miracle. And he said, you know, this is so important, you know, when you're thinking about your team and about your family, but really about this particular thing is in the team's aspect of it is that not having just people to just be hired for the sake of being hired. Like one of the questions that you could have in there is not a tactical question, but rather a question of what are your dreams and goals? Because our success together could be the miracle that they need, you know, to be able to buy their parent a home, to be able to, you know, achieve something that by working with you and and rising together, all tides rise boats, right? So as rising together, your success can be someone else's miracle. And I think you are living proof of that because it's the miracle for these kids and the miracle for the people that you're touching. So I want to just commend you on that. Congratulations on what you're achieving. And I think you are at the very, very beginning of something absolutely great. Absolutely great. I don't think you're even touching the surface yet, in my opinion. So I want to say thank you so much for joining us today and spending time with us. It's been a great pleasure. Congratulations on all the success that you've had. And what a great story of pendulum, right? A pendulum story of from here to there. Absolutely beautiful. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. So everyone, again, I just want to say thank you for listening in. If it's your first time, welcome aboard. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so much for continuing to listen and remind you to go subscribe to YouTube, Jen Duplessis, just go to Jen Duplessis, just subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch us and listen to us as well. Sometimes you want to do both. And thank you again for listening in. And we will have the show links here for you to be able to connect with Whitney in any way, shape or form that you want to. And again, Whitney, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Honored to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, 
free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.